0: You're listening to Words of Encouragement, the preaching ministry from the pulpit of the First Baptist Church of Winsboro, Louisiana. Have you ever wondered what motivated God to make a way for sinners to be with Him? Have you ever wondered why He would do something like that? That's our topic today on Words of Encouragement from John 3.16. This morning... I entitled this what motivated what motivated God to make a way for sinners to be with him. Now you I want you to think about this. I want you to think about this and I want you to take some time on it. Because there is no one else who reaches out with the love that God has in the way that God does. Except for God Himself, there is no one who loves people more than Him, and who has provided for them more than Him. And I'm talking about all people, all people. Uh, the, I, I mean, when you say all people, you're you're including the criminals, the nice people, uh, the sweet people, the mean people. It's everyone that God loves, and God in His in his power, out of his great love, did something for us that no one else could have ever done. I have a question for you this morning. How do you feel when someone, when you first hear about someone who has committed a crime? Do you want them to be punished for that crime? Do you want, as we say, justice to be served? Many of us feel anger towards people who break the law. I have even heard of patrolmen who have stopped a speeder and been angry at the driver for being disobedient. And I thought, my goodness, really? Uh, Yeah, they broke the law, and and yes, you are the enforcer of that law, but uh, no need to be angry about it. Just, hey, here's your ticket. Here you go, you know? I mean... Uh, There's no reason to be upset about it, but many of us have strong feelings toward those who disobey the law. If the truth were to be told, some of us would not give a criminal the time of day if asked. We really have no desire to be hanging out with criminals. Why? Why? Because their, their intentions are bad. Their heart is not right. We, cannot, we do not feel like we can trust them. Truly, it is difficult to muster up love for people like that. It's hard to love people anyway. This morning, we'll be looking at the love of God and how He expressed it to us. If you are willing and able, would you stand in honor of the reading of the word of God? Our text today, John 3:16. We'll be looking at a few other verses with that. But John 3:16. The Bible tells us, "For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life." Boy, that's good news. That is great news for those of us who are here on this earth. May God bless the reading of His Word this morning to our hearts. You may be seated. The first part of this is the pivotal part. None of the rest of this verse would have happened. None of the rest of this would have taken place... This occasion that we celebrate on Wednesday would not take place if it weren't for this part of John 3.16 that tells us, for God so loved the world. God made that decision. He chose to love this world. He chose to love the people in this world. Now, you know as well as I do, if it were left up to me or to you, there would be certain people that you and I would choose just not to love. We would say, well, I, I can, maybe I can just... Or, or maybe we wouldn't go that far. Maybe that would be uncomfortable for us to say, well, there's some we just can't love. Maybe we would say, well, we have to love them, but we don't have to like them. Or maybe we can love them from a distance. Now that's ridiculous. How do you love someone from a distance? They never hear from you. They never know you're around. They never know you care. You make no method of communication in order to send any kind of message to them. I love them from a distance. Oh, wow. That's not how God loves us. He doesn't love us from a distance we do not worship a God who flung the world into space and sits up in heaven and just watches, and watches us wandering around, fumbling around, bumbling around down here, and says, "Oh, look at that, boy! They sure messed up that time, didn't they? Wow, look at that, boy! Look at oh, and look at that! Why did he do that?" We worship a God who loves us and who is present and with us. God is with us, Emmanuel. You might say, well, of course He chose to love us. He made us. Of course He's going to love what He makes. Ah, do not be so quick to come to a conclusion like that. Remember when God made man, He was perfect. Oh, Adam and Eve, they were fine, nothing wrong with them. They had no sin in their lives. They were perfect. Things were fine until sin entered the world through the decision of Adam and Eve. When they chose to disobey, consciously chose to disobey what God had told them about the tree in the midst of the garden, you're not supposed to eat of that tree, and they did it anyway. They sinned. Notice, though, John does not say God so loved a certain portion of people in this world, he doesn't say that there are some that he does not like. Well, now wait a minute. I have a problem loving people who disobey the law. It's hard for me to do that. Now wait a minute. Now how can we pay how can we say that God loves those who break the law because well, my goodness, they ought to be punished. They've done a wrong. They deserve to be punished. And well, yes, they do, but God loves them anyway. Well, now wait a minute. I don't I don't like that. Well, tough. <laughs> God looks at this world and He chooses to see us as we are. We are in need of love. We are in need of being forgiven. He looks at us, He sees our need, and He has compassion on us. And He's chosen to love us. His love, who He is, motivated Him to choose to love the people of this world. Oh, it's hard for us to do it. It's hard for us to love everybody. And, you know, I love the honesty of a child. And I love the intent of the heart of a child who says, well, I just love everybody. I just, oh, it warms my heart when a little child says that. And I think, bless you. Keep that. Keep that in your heart. Oh, that we could keep that in our hearts as we grow into big people. Adults in this world. Oh, that we would have that, that we just love everybody. That's just, God loves everybody, and so do I. I don't always like what they do. I don't always approve how they act. I don't always approve of what they say, the language they use. I don't always approve of it. But can I say that I love everybody? I hope I can. It's a challenge for us. Think about this. God's love is an all-inclusive love. God does not discriminate against color, big noses, big ears, bad hair, (laughs) or body odor. God doesn't discriminate uh, against people on those bases. He looks at you and He loves you. He loves you. Our God has chosen to love all people and He loves you too. And that's the message of the gospel is that He loves you. Ah, but there's more to it. Obviously, there's more to it. That's not just the message that some, that, that some... And I must say, some preachers just preach. They just say, well, God loves you. Go forth into the world. Be happy. There's more to the gospel. It is not just the simple fact that God loves you. you. Look... There's an issue. There's a problem that we have, and there was a reason God sent his son. If God didn't send his son, he could just send us a message and say, Hey, I love y'all. <laughs> yeah, I think God's probably a southerner. I don't know. I just say it. I don't know. But I think he says, I love you. You know, if God just sent that message to us, well, whoop-de-doo. I mean, yeah, oh, I'm glad. Don't know anything else, but I know that this person, this, this being beyond here somewhere loves me. We call him God. That's all I know. Doesn't make a difference in my life. I just, I'm glad he does. Yay, good. But there's more to the gospel than simply the message that God loves us. Look at the second part of verse 16. That he gave his only begotten son. Now, it's one thing to tell someone that you, that you love them. It's another thing to show that person. Oh yes, it's another thing to show someone you love them. If you have not yet, and I think some of you, it seems like if I remember correctly, some of you went through a study, the five love languages years ago. I'm not sure, I I seemed like I heard that might want to pick that book up again and look at it. If you've learned your love language, according to Gary Chapman, there are five love languages, uh, and I'm not going to name them all because I'll leave one out, but uh, I do know that uh, one of them is, uh, is words. One of them is gift-giving. Another one is gift-giving. Another one is acts of service toward your, uh, the person you love. Uh, it's showing them you love them. Everybody receives and gives love differently. And so if you know that someone you love likes to be told that you love them, then what do you do? You tell them. You don't give them a gift. Well, they're, you know. If that's not how they receive love, if they need to hear it from your mouth, then you say it. And so there's, you do something, you Prove, you show your love. And this is what is happening here. God loves the world, and He loves it so much, He wants the world to know that He loves them, beyond just words. And He says, and it says, the Bible says, Jesus says, He gave His only begotten Son. Is not this what we do when we love someone? We give them something. Yes, sixth grade. I brought a piece of peppermint. To that girl that sat across from me every day. Suddenly I feel like Charlie Brown. She wasn't a redhead though. But (laughs) but I brought her a piece of candy. I brought her a piece of peppermint every day. Because I liked her and I wanted her to know. Look, when we love someone, we want them to know and we want to show it somehow. And this is what God is doing. Think about this. He loved us so much that He wanted us to be with Him forever. He wants us to be with Him in heaven. This is a God who really does love us. In fact, so much that He made a way for that to happen. He provided Jesus to die on the cross with our sins laid upon Him. So that Jesus could not only, not only did Jesus give us the pathway to heaven, He was the pathway. So He's both. He showed us the way and He is the way. Through Christ, through believing in Jesus as God's Son, believing that He died on that cross for our sins, we're able to be included in God's family. Because you see, sin must be punished. If we are to really get what we deserve as humans, we would just die because we deserve to die because we've sinned against God. Any sin, anything we do that is wrong is against God. The Bible tells us this. And if we do that, we deserve to die. Death is the punishment for sin. Ah, but God wants us to live with Him. He wants us to live. If we die, then our sins are gone, but then so are we. Think about that. There needed to be a way for our sins to be forgiven and for us to be able to live. And so Jesus is the solution. He is the way maker for us through His death. On the cross, He provided the way for us to have our sins forgiven and to live, and to live. Oh my goodness, this is just, this is the love of God being given to us, being shown to us in the giving of His Son, Jesus, so long ago. The proof of God's love was to give His Son to die for us, to take the punishment for our sins. So that we can be forgiven. In doing this, God's love and desire for us is to choose, to choose Him is clear. I mean, it's just clear. I'm giving the way. I'm showing you. I'm giving you the way to be with me. It's through my Son, Jesus. I'm sending Him into the world. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Come. To him. God proved his love. In the giving of his son. That's how he proved it to us. He sent his son. He did not just say I love y'all. He said I love you. And I'm going to show you. How much I love you. The second thing. Or the third thing, God provided the way of salvation. Look at the next part of verse 16. That whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Wow. That whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Notice this this salvation, this state of not perishing is restricted to those who believe in Him. This is not... Look, There are people who believe, well, God's not going to send anybody to hell. And no, I don't believe He does. He allows you to not choose Him and therefore you are sending yourself. God is not sending you there. He's simply... He's showing you the way to heaven. He's... He's. He had. Picture it as being in his hand, and him extending that hand to you, and saying to you, "I want you to be with me. I want to forgive you of your sins. I want to be, in. I want you to be in right relationship with me. I want us to do great things together in this world that I've created. I want you to be in my family. Will you come? Will you be a part of my family?" And it's up to us to say yes or to say no. But it's left in that decision that we have. If you do not believe in Jesus as the way to heaven, then more than likely heaven is not really a concern of yours. Maybe the afterlife is something you have no interest in. But for me to know that there's a world beyond this world, and that and that, that world is with God... That excites me, and it does make me less fearful of dying. To think that there is a perfect place called heaven where you don't have to listen to any more commercials about drugs and how they'll help and harm you on television anymore. To think that you don't have to ever worry about voting in an election anymore. To think that you don't have to worry about traffic. To think that you don't worry about having to prepare for a meal that everybody's coming to soon. I mean, look, there's a heaven, and it's where God is, and it's there for us if we'll simply respond to the invitation that God gives to all of us. For me to know that there is a God who went as far as having my sins laid on his son and had that son die for me, listen, that's overwhelming. That's overwhelming. Our sins. They're wretched. They're disgusting in the eyes of God. But God made a way for us to be forgiven. Look at verse 17. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Now, this verse is for those who feel like God is some crusty, old, grumpy man who lives in heaven waiting for all of us to mess up so he can zap us. <laughs> that's what I, I believe. That's why this verse is here. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. God's love compelled urged, motivated Him to make a way for us to be at peace with Him. He wants us there. He loves us. He wants us to be in right relationship with Him. He calls out to us, wanting, longing for us, desiring for us to walk with Him. We have the God of the universe who wants this of us. Wow. Wow. Really? Yes, really. Wow. He didn't he he doesn't wait for us to fumble and stumble around. He's he was proactive and and intentional in providing for us a way that could that we could be saved from the punishment that we deserve for our sins. He was intentional in providing the way. God provided salvation through His Son's death on the cross. God provided salvation through His Son's death on the cross. Well, the last thing. God provides salvation for those who believe. Look at verse 18. He that believeth on Him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already. Because he hath not believed... In the name of the only begotten Son of God. Again, you see, there is a restriction here. Salvation is for those who believe in Jesus. Condemnation for sins is not going to happen for those who believe in Him. You will not be condemned for your sins if you are one of His children, if you are walking with Him. Jesus took that punishment for believers' sins. They've been paid for. They've been paid for. Those who do not believe in Him are condemned for their sins. That's just plain and simple. They they will pay the price of not being obedient to God. Non-believers are not followers of Him. And they're not being changed into His likeness. And they're floundering around on their own in life without the help of God. Non-believers are floundering in this world. They're, they're wandering around. They need to know who Jesus is. They need to have Him in their heart. They need to be forgiven of their sins. They need to, to grasp the gravity of the situation that they're in. They need to have Him in their heart. The only way to escape pain for your sins is to admit that you have sinned. Ask God to forgive you. Ask him to forgive you. Trust that when Jesus died on the cross, he paid the punishment that you deserve, that I deserve. Trust that Jesus did that for you. Allow him to take charge of your life. Allow it to happen in your heart. Let Him be in control. It's a daily decision. The first time you make the decision, you're asking Christ to come into your heart to forgive you of your sins. He comes in. He is, he is your salvation. He is your Savior. And every day, though, you must allow Him to be in charge. I don't, know if you, I don't know if you think about that, but every day that God gives you, you have to make that decision to allow Him to be in charge. He's there His Holy Spirit's living in your heart. But you have to make the decision to be obedient to His voice. It's up to you. God allows you to make that choice, to continue to be obedient, continue to continue to grow, to be more like Christ. So every day we've got to make the choice. Am I going to allow God to be in charge today? Or do I just want to take charge today? I think God needs a day off. I think I'll just be in charge. Well, you go ahead and tell me how that day goes. Because it's not going to go too well if you think you would like to be in charge over God. We have a loving God who will steer us in the right direction. Who will be there with us. When we do mess up, He's there to pick us up. We need His help. For many, many years, Christians have celebrated a day that recognized the fact that God sent Jesus into the world to be one of us, to walk with us, to share His love with us. We celebrate the fact that Jesus was sent to save us. At this time of the year, we give thanks to God for the sending of Jesus. I want to ask you a question this morning. Do you know... That God loves you. Are you understanding that God proved His love in the giving of His Son? Do you understand that this morning? God provided salvation through His Son's death on the cross. He did. That's what was happening. That's what was taking place. And I need to ask you this morning... Do you believe in Jesus? Do you trust in Him for your salvation? That's what it takes. That's what it takes to be forgiven of your sins. That's what it takes to be a part of God's family. That's what it takes for God to start molding and making you into the likeness of Christ. It's a journey. It doesn't happen all at once. Once you ask Christ into your heart, you do not suddenly become super Christian. And all your decisions are correct. And everything you do is without flaw. (laughs) No, it's a journey. It's the beginning of your spiritual journey in becoming more like Christ. Maybe you're here this morning and you're thinking to yourself, you know what? I've heard this message before. Maybe today is the day I need to make that decision to follow Jesus. Maybe you're here this morning and you're thinking, "I, I really, maybe I just really need to talk to that preacher about this. What, what... Maybe you've got questions about what that means. Look, I don't want you making this decision quickly. I do not want you making this decision out of an emotion you feel. I want you to know in your heart... That this is what you need to do. Ask Christ to come into your heart. To forgive you of your sins. To be in charge of your life. Maybe this morning you want to make that decision. To allow him to come in. Again, let me say that this is the most important decision you will ever make in your life. What do you do with Jesus? What do you do with him? Do you accept him into your heart, or do you just say, no, I'd rather not have him? It's up to you. It's your decision. I hope, though, that you will think about it carefully. Consider who God is and what he has done for you in giving Jesus to die for your sins. I hope that you'll take some time to think about that. I also hope that your Christmas was a great one and that as we enter into the new year, you will make a choice, an intentional choice to find a church home that you can call your own. You may have to make yourself get up and go and find a church. It may be very hard. I would suggest asking some friends where they go to church and that might be just how you find where God wants you to be. He may just want you to be at church with your friends. So I would suggest you take some time. Talk about it with your friends. Think about going to church and becoming a part of a worshiping congregation. It's very important for all of us to have a loving church home family. Well, I hope that this year has been a good one for you. And that as we enter into the new year, you will continue To grow, to be more like Christ. Remember, you matter to God and to us at the First Baptist Church of Winsboro.